We're off to a rip-roaring, roaring fucking shit. on the air, you motherfuckers! My name is Darian, I am back for another week of horror bullshit. Coming straight to your ear holes, guess what, inmates? It's another solo show. Jason is too old and tired, and Buddy probably has poopy fingers again. (laughs) It's just me, you dirtbags, I am sorry about that. I wish I had somebody else here to talk to. But my two co-hosts have decided not to join me this evening. I like to think that they're making out in a um, uh, some kind of a broom closet janitorial situation as we speak. May, you know what? Having a gay old time. No pun intended. <clears throat> it's just me, bros. I apologize for that. Um, I don't know what to tell you, dude. It's me and you. Again, you're stuck with me. I'm stuck with you. I got a whole week's worth of horror shit to talk about. Why don't we just do it? Well, just do it, man. If you don't like it, then go ahead and uh, delete this episode. Go back and listen to last week's episode again, even though your your emails and voicemails probably got skipped. Uh, so here I am. How was your 4th of July, everybody? Did everybody have a good time? Everybody still got 10 fingers and toes? I do. I, I pulled it off, man. I, I didn't light off any fireworks this year. I did not blow myself or my house or my children up or my wife. My wife. Uh, I think I did okay. We kept it pretty low key. Uh, Jason and Buddy came back right after we finished recording the show. Had a uh, uh, you know had the kids over. They got to play in the pool. Um, went around the corner, watched the fireworks. I live on top of a hill, so you go right around the corner from my house. And you can see all the fireworks in the northern Nevada area. All of them. Every single one of them. To include the crazy neighborhood just beneath us where all the rednecks live and they like to shoot rockets at each other. It's quite a spectacle to behold, really. Uh, No fire trucks this year, though, so we got that going for us. That I know of. I've not checked my police scanner in a couple of days. There may have been some that snuck in under the radar. I can't say for sure. But I'm here. I've got all my digits. I am ready to talk to you people about horror movies, games, uh, trivia, books. Um, I had a bad dream the other night. I'll tell you all about it. It was actually pretty tame as far as bad dreams go. But enough about me. Let's skip the... Let's, hey, let, hey, enough fucking around. Let's cut the shit. Let's get into the, uh, the regular show here, okay? I've got the whole show lined up. You know what? Fuck these two guys. I love them dearly, but fuck them both. They don't want to show up. I can do the show without them. 
I wish they were here. And for all my bravado, I don't know that I can do it without them. But we're going to find out, inmates. It's me and you. Hey, we've done this before. It's just it's just us, dudes. We've done it before. It's no big deal. Let's do it again. And let's kick things off, inmates, if we could, with a little horror news. <laughs> horror news. Yeah, boy, the trailers are up right now, inmates, for The Nun Part 2, okay? Um, I'm not I'm not exactly wetting the panties over The Nun Part 2, I'll be honest with you. Nun Part 1, not that great. Part of the, uh, what are you, the Conjuring uh, Mytho, the fucking universe, Conjuring universe, that's great, I love it, I'm sure they'll find some little Easter eggs to throw at us about, uh, I don't know, the Warrens or the fucking uh, Annabelle. They're going to they're gonna fucking shove Annabelle up our ass again. Um, I don't know, man. The, the, the Nun was not that good. It was probably the weakest, or maybe the second weakest out of the Conjuring movies. I'm not all that hot and bothered over a part two. Dude, you got to bring me a rated R movie is what you got to do. Conjuring movies, great. Um, very scary, very creepy. Uh, the nun, pretty, pretty, pretty milk toast in comparison to the rest. If you ask me, that's why I'm not all that hot and bothered for the nun part two. I did not watch the trailer, so I can't tell you anything about it. Um, I will at some point. It was, it was actually a teaser trailer. So I don't know. Probably didn't have a whole lot of anything in it. So I'm not too worried about it just yet. Supposed to release this September. We'll see if that happens or not. What else we got here? Set photos are out. From uh, Beetleju- Beetlejuice 2. And they contain Jenna Ortega and Winona Ryder as their characters. Lydia Dietz and Lydia Dietz Jr., whatever her name's going to be. I don't know. I'm, uh, I, did, I mean, all right. All right. So let's talk about Beetlejuice 2 for a second, shall we? Are we horny for this? I, uh, I will check it out. I will take my kids to see it. I'm not exactly frothing at the bit to get to it, though. I love me some Michael Keaton, and I love the original Beetlejuice, clearly. Um, I will probably put that one on hold until it pops up on Peacock or some other fucking situation. You know, one of the streaming things. So, but, I mean, uh, dude, Winona Ryder has not aged a day, really. Has she? I mean, you put that, that weirdo goth haircut on her, it looks like you're just watching the original Beetlejuice. Who I want to see back is Alec Baldwin. Can they find a way to wedge his fat ass back in there and make it make sense? Because he's put on about 150 pounds since the original Beetlejuice. We'll see how they figure that one out. He's not coming back. There's no way. He he is box office poison right now. He just killed a guy. Dudes, he killed a guy. or well, I think it was a chick, actually, on that uh, other movie. You can't know. You can't, you can't put him in a movie for at least... He's on like a 15-year probation that he's probably not going live to live through. You know what I mean? So, even though he was clear to the charges, you know how it goes in Hollywood, bros. You know, you get accused of something, even if it's not your fault or you didn't do it, you're done. You're donezos. That's how it goes. Uh, What else we got here? Texas Chainsaw Massacre Slaughterhouse. Tabletop game is being released by Funko this September. Okay. 
All right, I would love to be the uh, board game dork. I have a whole closet full of horror board games. Uh, each and I, I've told the story before. Each and every one of them has an instruction book the size of a phone book. Um, I don't have time to learn how to play all these fucking things. My kids aren't mature enough to get all the rules and all that shit. My wife is too busy. My friends, every time I bring them over here, they're like, okay, tell us how to play. And I'm like, yeah, hey, let's just do some shots instead. So do I need to continue to buy the horror board games? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I do. I probably should go ahead and pick this up. I'm going to, okay, so there's also a Halloween 2 board game being released by Fright Rags. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think I need all this. I mean, like, unless I started some kind of a fucking elite board game uh, doofus posse to where they, I can hand them the game, they figure out how to play, bring it back and teach me how to play, I'm not going to have time for all this shit, you know? And believe me, I do not have an elite horror board game doofus posse. I wish I did. If there's one out there and you're looking for an extra guy, loudmouth, bit of an alcoholic, by all means, hit me up. In the meantime... Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll probably buy it. I'll put it on the shelf up there with the rest of them. What do I got? Mansions. I'm looking up there right now. Mansions of Madness, Night of the Living Dead, Mountains of Madness, uh, Escape from Tall Oaks, Mixtape Massacre, Mixtape Massacre Director's Cut, uh, Ghost Castle, Monsters. You know what, dude? I'll be here all night if we're going to talk about my horror board games. I don't, even if I did have time to play all these fucking things, I don't have anybody to play them with. So. I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself out of ordering the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre board game, but I know as soon as it pops up on somebody's Facebook thing or something or other, oh, I got to pick that up. It's got Leatherface. It's got a little, little, little Leatherface miniature. I got to pick that up. This is 40 bucks. All right, whatever. Fuck off. I'm not going to do it. Speaking of uh, fun games, Mortal Kombat 1. You excited for this? I know I am. I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm a Mortal Kombat guy. I've been playing Mortal Kombat since... There was Mortal Kombat, and uh, this has just been confirmed, okay? We got Mortal Kombat 1 coming out in September. Smoke and Rain are confirmed as main characters in Mortal Kombat 1. Now, for all of you that were tuning in just to listen to me rattle on about horror, it's kind of horror-adjacent, right? The fatalities, they're kind of scary. If you, if, you, if you do a deep dive into Mortal Kombat lore... It's full of, like, fucking monsters and vampires and uh, dudes that can f- fucking freeze you and electrocute you and uh, melt, uh, put you on fire, uh, melt you, uh, beat you to death with several appendages. Uh, what else? Sea monsters. There are sea monsters if you make it to that level. Um, oh, hey, there's some scary shit in there if you're going to do a deep dive. But don't let me bore you with that. Smoke. Uh, okay, I, will, I am going to bore you with this for a second. Smoke was one of the original Lin Kuei assassins. Uh, he was the best friend to Sub-Zero, uh, the second Sub-Zero, not the first, before the Cyber Initiative. Him and, him and okay, all right, well, uh, just bear with me on this, okay? Him and Kwai Lang were best friends, but then the Cyber Initiative. So Okay, so Kwai Lang was the second Sub-Zero. Bihan was the first Sub-Zero. He died right after Mortal Kombat 1, but then he came back as Noob Saibot, and then uh, 
That was when Sector and the Ling Kuei Grandmaster decided to initiate the Cyber Initiative. And then Cyrax and Smoke decided they didn't want to be robots, and so did Sub-Zero. But somehow Smoke got killed. Cyrax did get turned into a a robot, but then Sub-Zero escaped. Second Sub-Zero, not the first. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a whole thing here. Uh, One of these days, I'll get the boys in the basement and we'll do a Mortal Kombat episode. But in the meantime, you just got to bear with me. It's going to kick a lot of ass, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, lastly, here's something else I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, pop a boner for. It is confirmed that the official release date for the next Dead by Daylight expansion is July 25th, 2023, and it is going to contain Nicholas Cage, ladies and gentlemen, Nicholas Cage, not a Nicholas Cage character, but the man himself is joining the Dead by Daylight, uh, mythos um i don't know how i don't know how it's going to make sense or in what way in what way i hope that he is one of the killers now i'm not going to i could go off on a whole other rant here about dead by daylight and how that whole mythos comes together in the various dimensions and the killers and the survivors and all that shit i'm not going to bore you with that i'll get the boys in the basement for that episode too um but i'm excited for it I can't wait to see how it works out. I hope he's going to be a killer. I'm very interested to see how he will kill you, probably with his massive talent, I assume. I don't know, I don't know how that would work exactly, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre-order. I don't know if you can, but I'm going to pre-order the uh, 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 DLC for Nicolas Cage, and I will report back when I know what the hell is going on. In the meantime, that's it for Horror News, ladies and germs. You guys ready for some listener mail? I don't know if I am, but uh, let's see how many dick pics I got this week, shall we? Or more to the point, how many people have photoshopped me onto their dick pics? That's that seems to be the late the latest trend there. Listener mail. Yes, ma'am. We've got uh, one email and a few voicemails. <clears throat> oh, let me take a pull off my soda here. <clears throat> Every time I do these solo shows, I feel like I get more and more hoarse as the show goes on. It's because I'm in a room talking, a fucking 300 degree room talking to myself. All right, here comes a voice uh, email here. It's all the way from Sydney, Australia, ladies and gentlemen. It's our main man, Team, from the Dummies of Horror. You know that show. They're right here on the Padded Room Network. Don't act like you're better than the Dummies of Horror, because you're not, okay? If you're listening to this show, I don't know why you're not listening to Dummies of Horror. What, what, what do you think? You're some kind of a fucking cool guy or something like that? Oh, don't, don't even start with me. All right, here we go. Summertime for you guys, anyway. What's up, you wonderful people? It's me, Tim, here with the weekly email re- read by me, Dot, 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 Darian. I think that means he wants me to read it in Australian accent. All right. Meat hooking. Top three summer fill. That's Cockney. That is total Cockney. I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, all right. I'll do meat hook, top three summer films. So before I list my films, I will mention that I took out the entire Jaws franchise and The Lost Boys since they would be it, but I wanted to list something new. I chose three films that make me think of hot weather. Number one, or excuse me, number three, Club Dread. 
Broken Lizard guys who did Super Troopers, Beer Fest, etc. Made a horror film that's a lot of fun. I dig it. I've seen Club Dread, Tim. Um, it, I'm going to say it is okay. I would, I would probably say if I had to rate the Broken Lizard films, number one would be, of course, the original Super Troopers, then Beer Fest, then Club Dread, then Super Troopers 2 is my thinking there and now they've got what is that brooklyn 99 or something like that 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 it's a tv show but it's okay uh number two the hills have eyes remake yep the remake is better than the original i'm gonna agree with that i'm gonna agree with you tim um dude the original okay so let's talk i'm gonna go off on a rant here about uh the hills have eyes so the original hills have eyes at the time was very, uh, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it broke a lot of rules as far as horror goes. The innocent were punished. The wholesome American family got shattered into 50 bazillion pieces and eaten. That's right, they were eaten. I, I overpronounced the, e, the T there, I understand, and the E. But, um, so... Within the within the realm of a 1979 Wes Craven film, yes, very very groundbreaking and uh, horrific and everything else. But dude, when 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 it got put in the hands of Alexandra Aja, he took the fucking nastiness and cranked it up to eleven. That disgusting breastfeeding scene. All right, never okay, in the original we had the parakeet thing, which was nasty, sure. But dude, now we're breastfeeding. We're breast. We're grown ass uh, mutant adults, and we're breastfeeding from this poor young lady that is terrified. For okay, all right. Ugh. I'm gonna gross myself out if I keep talking about it. Never mind the part where Ted Levine gets lit on fire as a distraction. They just need him to yell and scream so that they can distract the rest of the family to go help him, and then they can move in. Okay. See, you know what that is? That's an ambush tactic. That's what that, that's modern infantry tactics 101 right there. That's what that is. Okay, let's get back to Tim here. Sorry for going off on a rant. Number one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The film just reeks with summer heat and it's definitely a must-own film. I have several copies, Tim. Thank you very much. Um, it does. No, it does. And I, I would say that the remake does also. Uh, as far as the original goes... Having also been made in, uh, I think, oh, 1975 or 73, 73 or 75. It also has like a funky body odor. I can't, you you ever look at something and you just think to yourself, that stinks. You can't smell it because maybe it's on TV or you're looking at a picture or something. You're thinking to yourself, that's, or you see a picture of like a homeless dude and you're like, that fucking guy stinks. I don't know what he smells like, but I can see it from here. He smells like an asshole. That's what I get when I look at uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The inside of that van, to start with. They're all complaining about the heat. They let the crazy hitchhiker in there. You know he stinks. You know they already stink to begin with. That's a stink-on-stink crime, as far as I'm concerned. You get in there, it's a nice potpourri of disgusting body odors from around the country. All right, and then the whole thing with the pit. Oh, now we're blowing things up, and we're lighting things on fire inside the van. That's just burnt hair. You know what burnt hair smells like? It's, it's disgusting. And then from there, we go to the house. Okay, well, at least we can spread out, and there's air circulation in the house. But then we go to the Sawyer house, where there's just a bunch of dead shit laying around in the summer heat. Okay? That's like 10,000 homeless people. You know what I'm saying? Just being crammed into a into an elevator. 
It's it's like stink on stink on stink crime is what it is. It's like it just hey, I stink, you stink. Why why don't we go stand out in the in the Texas heat in the in the desert and we'll stink together and then let's uh, find some dead things to bring into our our own stink fest and it'll be Stinkapalooza 2023. What do you say? That's what it is. That's that's the vibe I get from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then that's before all the dead people start showing. There's already dead shit in the Sawyer house. Now let's go kill a bunch of kids. You've got a, about a three-hour window before they start to stink. Dude, really, it should be the Texas Stink Massacre, as far as I'm concerned. But I'm with you on that, Tim. Uh, right on. Still voting for Sam to win in the Terra Dome. Darian, I can't remember your clues, so no idea. And yeah, that's it for me. Much love and joy. Summer while I'm down here freezing my dick off. Is it really cold in Australia right now, Tim? I, I've been to Australia. I don't imagine it ever gets below like 65. I could be wrong. Send me some pictures with like snow. I want to see Australian snow. I want to see what that looks like. Right on, Tim. Thank you for writing in, amigo. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, inmates... You're already listening to the Padded Room Podcast. There is no reason for you not to just continue on the feed into Dummies of Horror. But don't say horror for dummies because, you know, cease and desist letters. letters. (laughs) Cease and desist letters will come down the pipe. And uh, Tim doesn't need that shit. Tell you right now. All right. That was all we had on the emails. We got a couple voicemails lined up here. Let's kick things off with our main man in Alabama. You know him. You love him. Former host of Wicked Wednesdays. Former host of Horrorcopia. The man needs no introduction. It is Alan. Padded Room, what's up? What's Hope up, everybody's Alan? everybody's doing good. I'm here. Um, I made it. Darian, you are Event Horizon. I nailed it! Um, I know you got my fire in from Terror Dome. Okay. Let's see, summer movies. Uh, give me... Yeah, I don't know. That's, Return of the Living Dead uh, yeah. is number one. I agree. I mean, this is never really a genre I've thought about. Right, I mean... Uh, Jimmy Friday, 13th Part 6 is number two. That's a good... Even though it was a little rare. And number three... I guess they're all um, summer movies, really. Huh. I don't know. Throw another Friday the 13th in there. Uh, okay. I just ain't that crazy about Jaws. Okay, yeah, well, it's an okay movie. Okay. But at the same time... It's a shark. <laughs> What's it going to do to me on land? Oh, there's a shark in the water. Fucking F- fair out. enough. Anyway, talk to y'all later. Bye. Right on, Alan. Thanks for calling in, amigo. I feel like we need to talk about Jaws, you and I. Now, it's I get it. And that, I feel like that's, that's the, the swan song of all the Jaws haters is that it's a fucking shark. And if you don't like it, stay out of the goddamn ocean. Fair enough, dude. I agree. I agree 100%. But um, it's 4th of July weekend. It's Amity Island, for Christ's sakes. Of course you're going to go in the water. Now, if you're an islander, as they say, water is like your bread and butter. You're going to be out there on a boat. You're going to be out there having a good time. You're probably going to have a couple shots in you. And then before you know it, there's a goddamn shark fin circling you, dude. Now, don't get me started on the perfections of the movie Jaws. And... Tim, if you're listening, I want you to pretend that Alan did not call in and say, never mind Jaws, because we know him to be a good person. There's no reason to jump his shit, okay? That being said, um, 
if I okay, let's 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 backtrack. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here in this voicemail. Uh, Alan gave me free reign to pick another Friday the Thirteenth movie besides Part Six. My go-to has always been Part Six. I'll tell you honestly, I I think that's probably the best one the franchise has to offer. So if you're gonna put me on the spot and make me pick another Friday the Thirteenth movie, um, I think I got to go part three i'm gonna go part three uh friday 13 3d now not for the 3d nonsense although if you watch it outside of 3d it's very campy and fun but uh you got you you got a lot of good kills there and i think that's worth mentioning i'm also not mad at all at part seven i remembered hating it the first time i saw it but on rewatch it's not so bad uh we can we all just pretend that part eight and part nine Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell never happened. I think that's for the best. I think that we, we should all just agree that they just... Let's just like do like a memory scrub on those two. It's okay, Alan. I, I understand your, um, I guess, mediocrity when it comes to Jaws. You don't have to suck its dick. A lot of us will. I, I, I would say it's still probably a uh, perfect film. It's got the... Okay, but you know what? We're going to save that for another episode. Don't draw me off on another rant because we'll be here all goddamn night. Okay. Thank you very much for calling in, Alan. Uh, we got some other voicemails to get to, inmates. Let's get down to Southern California. Here comes our main man, Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey-o! Hey-o! Padded Room, how's my favorite degenerate this week? What's up? I do hope everyone is doing well. I'm here. Everybody's still got uh, ten fingers I do. for the fourth uh, celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Hope Thank everyone you for had asking. a good time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I want to get have. into it really quick. Uh, you know, I did actually have some horror news oh, here. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Love not to sure hear. if you guys have been following uh, the, uh, the Warlock. From uh, yeah. Julian Sands. Julian uh, Sands. The actor that played him. Yeah. Uh, he ended up, uh, I guess, dying on, on a hike. hike which is I very weird. I felt bad about it. I was like, oh, man, that's all that guy ever did. He was the fucking, the warlock. That is not true. You know, He's, I don't know. I thought the first one was actually pretty good. But, that's, yeah. Uh, you know, he was just the warlock silly. in those clips. Man, I come to find out, you know, that, that dude had like a bunch of fucking Prolific career, was, like, if way I do back. say so. I just only know him from that. Uh, I guess he had... Uh, fucking hike somewhere in San Gabriel Mountain down here and yeah, got lost, fell off the trail, some damn thing. But, what a fuck, hey. So, R.I.P. Julian Sands. Julian Sands, uh, he will be missed. Anyway, oh, oh yeah, on the uh, educate department, man. Come on now. I got you here. I Come on, Tom Hardy. Horizon. Yes, sir. You man, did it. Good fucking flick. I, I agree. I that in the theaters. Yeah, me too. I was like, fuck me, man. That one was uh, an unexpected. Right? Dude, unexpected good flick. I agree totally, completely. Uh, Totally up the ante there. Uh, oh yeah, on the um, hmm. on the Terror Dome there. What do you, you think? Sam versus David. Uh, David from the Lost. Boys. You're right. This is a fucked up match. Man. I mean, this is a fucked up match. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I'm just gonna say, put me down for for fucking David. Okay. I know Sam has like the lollipop sucker thing. Sure. And, we don't know what uh, Sam is, is the real problem. But, you know, david got, like, the fucking dangly earring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's so, true. You know, I think, High I think fashion. that would obviously rule the day. And then, 
just because you're writing the fan flick, I want you to fucking have to have to include the uh, the dude with the the tuba or the saxophone. I want you to include oh, okay. the sax player, sexy sax man, your, sure. Uh, Write up of that. But yeah, just put me down for him. Okay. Uh, on the um, fucking what is it? What uh, are you looking the, at? The meat hook. Oh, the man. meat hook. Yeah, dude, summer movies. A tough one, man. Really? So many, so many horror flicks. You know, really are summer fucking. I mean, flicks, if you think about it, yeah. I'm trying to stick. You know, as close as possible to the actual question. Okay. You know, the ones you don't that have to. make you feel like it's summer. Sure. And um, so, I, for myself, I would go with uh, uh, the burning. Okay. Uh, Another summer camp three, movie. Go ahead and give me Jaws. Number two. Of and course. The one that I thought everybody was going to be going with was uh, I know what you did last summer. Really? Well, I mean, it has summer. Okay, he got GP'd. Uh, he did call back. Okay. So I thought about that and I thought, okay, it's got summer in the title, but to me, it takes place on the last day of school very well, or at least the catalytic event takes place on the last day of school. Very cool. Um, but because of the setting, which apparently was actually somewhere in North Carolina, but it feels very Pacific Northwest. It didn't really feel like a summer movie to me. You know what I'm saying? Like all the like, Freddie Prince Jr. for the majority of the movie had one of those long sleeve uh, sweater things on. So if you're gonna go, like I'm looking for board shorts here, Tom Hardy. I'm looking for like uh, bikinis in my summer film. That's just me though. Uh, he called back. Let's see what else he has to say after getting G motherfucking P, baby. G motherfucking P. Oh hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know it. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the number one's got to be I Know What You Did Last okay. Summer. I don't know. That, to me, that is just so fucking summer. Sure. You know, yeah, it's in the title, sure, but but the movie itself, you know, it's over it, the 4th of July. There's two fucking summers in that movie. Is you know? it really? Two 4th of July. Uh, you're right. I don't know. To me, He's right. just uh, fucking always makes me think of the summer. You know? Okay. But, Not uh, me, though. Yeah, that's about all I got. Okay. Uh, did get to uh, on the what are you looking at department? Yeah, what do you got? A couple more episodes of my rewatch of uh, Todd in the book of fucking pure, pure evil. evil. And with that in mind, all I got to say to you, Darian, huh? Loser. <laughs> anyway, you See you later, loser. <laughs> Inmates, if you are not watching Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, I implore you to just watch the first couple episodes. If you can tolerate that, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. It's a nice uh, potpourri of Evil Dead meets um, Beavis and Butthead, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't, I, 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 that's, that's the best I can do. I'm, there's much more to it than that, but it's, I found it to be rather entertaining. My kids love it. I have not one, not not one, but two Todd in the Book of Pure Evil t-shirts. Uh, right on, Tom Hardy. Thank you for calling in. Um, sure. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to put on your meat hook, inmates. And if you say, I know what you did last summer, I'm not going to disagree with you because literally the name Summer is right there in the title of the movie. And yes, you're right. Four, two, not one, but two summers, both 4th of July weekends, uh, take place within the scope of that film. So, yeah, it just to me, it just doesn't feel very summery. It feels m- much more, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know what the fucking word I'm looking at, like drab, I guess, overcast, uh, dreary, 
Um, feel it felt much more like fall to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm going off on a tangent. I don't mean to do that. What I do mean to do is thank Tim, Alan, and Tom Hardy for calling and writing in. You guys are beautiful. Your Terra Dome votes have been ta- have been tallied. Inmates, if you would like to get a hold of me or us, if anybody else ever shows up again, uh, you can do so by going to paddedroompodcast.com, clicking the contact link, or sending an email to mail.paddedroompodcast.com. That will come directly to us. Or you can call the mental health hotline, area code 775 and you will get whatever you need to say to us off your chest, and we will play it on the air, and it will be a beautiful thing. We can we can share, inmates. We can share our thoughts and our feelings, and we can be together in a precious moment. I'll go fuck myself. Let's get into a movie, you motherfuckers. Get crushed. It all started coming down. about as bad as things go, right? We're all dead. It makes you wonder, what the fuck did we do to deserve this? What do you think? Hell? Imagine being one thing, and then peeking up here, and you're me. You know, this is my flat. It's the exact same place I shared when I was a student. I'm going home. I don't think we can. I don't know what's up there. Maybe time isn't the same here. You just want to believe that. Is it me or, or is that lighthouse not getting any closer? Fuck. What does it mean? Clean slate. It's Latin. What about the smoke? Not smoke. Fuckers, it is after death from 2015. That is one word, after death. No space in between after and death. So if you're looking for this movie somewhere, you got to type in the whole fucking thing. Otherwise, there's like four or five other after space deaths after death. But if there's only one after death. So that's what you got to do if you want to find it. Uh, it's from 2015. It is rated TVMA. God damn it. It had to be rated TVMA because there is not a whole lot going on here. And apparently they are terrified still of an R rating. There could, there, within the scope of the, the plot of this movie, there should be some things for us to look forward to. But 
for some fucking reason, they decided to pull back, and what we have is a TVMA, which means exactly fuck all. It means you're looking at a bland movie that you're going to forget 13 seconds after you're done watching it. So, that that's I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, inmates. I'm not a big fan of this one because they pulled a lot of punches when they shouldn't have. So, let me just jump right in. Four, four stars even on IMDb. Uh, written by Andrew Eller, directed by Jez, or Gez, Gez Mettinger, what the fuck, Gez? Gez, that's your name? That can't be a real name, right? Gez, what is that short for? Gezandra, Gezabel, Gezelina, Ge- Gezeline, is, is this a dude? It's gotta be, a, no, it's gotta be a chick, right? Gez, uh, stars, Miranda Raisin, <laughs> her last name is... I hope that's a stage name. I would not pick Raisin as my uh, stage name. Sam Keeley and Alarica Johnson. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Um, so, remember, oh God, probably a year or two ago when I was complaining about Tubi Entertainment and uh, the fucking TVMA bullshit that they put out there and how it's basically horror with no soul because... It's very mundane and forget forgettable. That's exactly where we're at here. I don't know why I picked this movie. I did a Google search of horror movies that take place on a beach, read the synopsis of this one, and got intrigued. Wrong! Wrong on all counts, you fucking asshole. You should have looked at the uh, the uh, uh, MPAA rating or something. I don't know. But uh, here we go. It's after death. Uh, we start off with a beach at night. And we're gonna we're gonna go to Call of Duty Land because it's gonna be a first person shooter here for the first thirty seconds. Except there's no guns, no shooting. Uh, it's just somebody staggering around a beach. A female, we can tell because she's got painted nails and stuff. Yes, I just gendered her. Uh, she's wa- staggering around the beach at night, and she's like, "What happened? I just wa- washed up on the beach. What am I gonna do?" And uh, she's looking around, and then she comes over a bluff, and then like, um, uh, like carved in the sand is the words the words say even the good are damned and then she keeps staggering around freaking out and then there's like these random explosions on the beach of black uh smoke that it's kind of like a dust it's it's cgi is what it is that just kind of bursts out of the sand and then it like whips around a little bit, but you can't tell what it is. All you see is black smoke, and then it explodes back into the sand, and then it comes back out somewhere else, and she's all freaked out. And then eventually it like kind of like tosses her around a little bit, and she's like, oh my god, look at you! And then she sees some lights off on the horizon, so she runs towards them, and she finds a beach house. The closer she gets, the, the more the uh, black smoke monster leaves her alone, so she's like, okay, I'm good. Makes her way to the beach house. Right outside of the beach house, there's like a porch. She sees on the porch, right in front of the uh, uh, front door, is a little placard that says, quote-unquote, Tabula Rasa. What does that mean? Doesn't really fucking matter, but we'll get into that in a second. She goes inside, and she uh, interrupts three people. Not one, not two, or four, or five, but three people having sex with each other. One dude, two chicks, menage a trois, but in a very boring bullshit kind of a way because everybody still has their clothes on. You motherfucking uh, Gez Mettinger, you couldn't 
find the balls to pull some boobs out in this instance. A lot of this movie has to do with hedonism, debauchery, and things of that nature. And we couldn't just fucking get some nudity in here? Seriously, man. Now, look, I'm not some kind of a pervo. I'm not going to freak out if there's not boobs in a horror movie. But this is a horror movie that clearly requires boobs. Sex is a big part of this movie. We have zero boobs, zero nudity, uh, some very lackluster sex scenes that include absolutely nothing. And we wouldn't even know they were having sex if they weren't loudly proclaiming, Oh, you're having sex with me. Kiss me. Fuck me. Uh, oh. It's stupid, man. If you're going to go that route, just go ahead and get somebody to take their top off. Okay? Why not? It's you got a TVMA rating here. That means zero. This is a... Un- okay. All right. All right. I was going to be nice. But now I'm already on the rant. I might as well write it right into the ground. This movie was, was released by a company called Uncorked Entertainment. That right there, inmates, is what we call an independent horror studio. Now, all you asswipes out there that want to raise the independent flag and say, fuck big studio remakes and all that horse shit, I will point you towards After Death. And I will tell you that this, you fucking assholes, is independent cinema. And it can suck my left testicle, then my right, and then it can do a couple laps around my ding dong. Because this sucks. This is worse than a remake. This is boring, commercialized horseshit put out by an independent studio. So, here we are, inmates. This is what you wanted. This is what you got. This is completely forgettable, and there is nothing here. That's the worst part, man. You've got a solid, what probably started as a solid script, and then by the time it got actually shot and laid to celluloid, what you got was a bunch of lackluster, milk toast, completely forgettable, boring horseshit. That is your independent cinema, you motherfuckers. Let's watch another Halloween movie. It's going to suck a bag of dicks, but guess what? At least somebody's actually going to get killed in it, and we'll probably see a nipple or two. All right, rant over. Back to the movie. <laughs> if you have not tuned out completely, or uh, completely deleted, or... Uh, unsubscribe to this podcast, then let's get right back into After Death. Uh, it's a menage a trois in process, and what it is is two, uh, one dude and two chicks. Uh, everybody, the, the, everybody is like impossibly attractive here, which makes it even more aggravating to me that there was no nudity. Uh, you have a biracial young lady riding the dude on the couch, and another young lady, fully clothed, uh, making out with both of them as they do it. Okay, <clears throat> now neither none of these chicks or this dude were part of the POV scene that we got at the beginning of the movie. Uh, this young lady uh, marches in. She's like, oh, what the hell? And then we see our black smoke monster like get through the window and it kind of does a lap or two around the living room of this beach house and then it goes up into an air vent. She's like, ah, what the fuck? And the, the, the menage a trois in progress. They're like, well, who are you and uh, what are you doing here? And eventually, we get introductions all around. Uh, we quickly come to the realization that all of these people are dead. And they realize that they're dead, which is great. There's also a fifth young or a fifth individual in a back room, another young lady who is trying to kill herself. She's slashing her own wrist, but no blood is coming out. And that brings us to the grand conclusion that we are all, in fact, dead. So, 
Now that we've come to the understanding that everybody here is dead and we are in some kind of afterlife situation, we can kind of get down to brass tacks. Um, we're going to meet these five uh, people. We have one dude, four chicks. The guy's name is Seb, S-E-B. I don't know what that's short for. Imagine Sebastian. But if I was named Sebastian, I would go by Sebastian, not Seb. Seb sounds weird to me. I don't know why. It's in, All these people are English also, like British. So there's that. The young lady that we caught the point, the POV cam on, her name is Robin. Uh, she seems to be the only one interested in trying to find a way out of here. The biracial young lady, her name is Pat. The uh, chick that's making out with everybody, her name is Livy. And then the mousy girl who was trying to kill herself, her name is Ani. Uh, very British names, right? Yeah, you won't find like an Alyssa or a Brianna in Britain, apparently. We are swimming in a sea of Alyssas and Briannas here in the United States. Um, there's a girl on my son's f- football team. Her name is Ruby. Goddamn, do I love some Ruby. <laughs> Her name is not Passion or uh, Sapphire or anything else you would call a stripper at this point. Her name's Ruby. I love it. Goddamn. Okay. Uh, so now that we've come to the conclusion that we're all dead and we are just uh, burying ourselves in hedonistic pleasure and fantasy everything's kind of cool for a second but we're trying to figure out what's actually going on here now seb immediately says hey we're in hell so uh you might as well join us in the big fuck party because we're just trying to make the most of it and then robin says why do you think we're in hell and this is this part is kind of silly there's a lot of things that are silly about this movie but this part in particular there is a lighthouse off in the distance and as the illumination from the lighthouse, you know, rotates, whenever it hits that, the, the beach house, all our five dudes get like this screaming headache and it's kind of, I get the feeling that there's like flashbacks involved, but there's like, okay, so the light hits out. He's like, okay, you're going to see what, why we think this is hell. The light hits the house. Everybody like grabs their heads and starts screaming. And then we get a bunch of like jump cuts from Robin of like a, um, and like a like a sonogram of a baby in an embryo embryonic state uh you know uh ultrasound so you know okay maybe we are in hell and then eventually the light subsides and everybody's like oh god see that's why we think we're in hell so you had a 30 second headache and that makes you think you're in hell i get those on a regular basis it has nothing to do with abortions or anything but like uh sometimes they make me feel like i have to poop so that's i mean i'm i don't think i'm in hell um I feel pretty good, actually, other than that. So that's why we think we're in hell, because of this lighthouse and its uh, migraine-inducing headache situation and possible flashbacks. Okay, fair enough. So this is some kind of hell state, but it's actually pretty cool, because um, as we get to know these dudes, uh, Seb somehow brought a cooler full, full of vodka back with him, and that's pretty awesome, because every time he opens the cooler... It's full of bottles of vodka, but so everybody's just getting hammered all the time, and they're having sex with each other, and they're all pretty hot. So, if this is hell, you can you can probably sign me up. It seems all right to me. We'll get more into this as the story goes on, of course. But I don't know. It 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 doesn't seem that bad. A beach house, hotties, booze. Um, they had like a pretty decent like sound system in there and playing music and stuff. I'm not mad at this. I'm not mad at this hell at all. I'm interested, to be honest with you. Okay, so 
from there, we're trying to figure out how we got here. What's the last thing you remember? We come to the conclusion that we all died in this tragic uh, nightclub accident. Something happened in a nightclub they were all at. They all died at exactly the same time because some kind of uh, roof collapsed or something like that or pyrotechnic explosion, I can't say for sure. And anyway, they all died at the exact same time. That's why they all washed up on shore at the exact same time. And now they're all in the same beach house. Okay, very cool, very creepy. Uh, They're walking around, and this is when we come to some conclusions. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, First thing we try to figure out is what we did to deserve to be in hell. So from there, we basically start a uh, truth or dare game where we're all pounding vodka and confessing our greatest sins. Starts off pretty mundane. Uh, Robin comes in with a bunch of unpaid parking tickets, and then uh, Pat confesses to cheating on a test. Seb confesses to shoplifting when he was a kid. Livy confesses to, uh, I don't know. And then it kind of gets worse and worse as the, the story, the montage goes on. Okay, now I slept with a married guy. Okay, uh, fucking uh, banged a couple of... Ch- I cheated on my girlfriend. Okay, uh, stole some shit, whatever. And, but, you know, we're drinking. It's a whole montage. So we're drinking. We're getting hammered. We're confessing to all this shit. Finally, at the end of this, uh, Robin looks over at Seb and she's like, well, aren't you going to talk about the assault? And Seb's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, I was questioned as a witness, so we, you should probably get that off your chest. And he's like, I was um, at one point accused, but the charges were dropped of some kind of sexual assault. And she's like, yeah, I know. Uh, cops called me and I had to come talk to him because I witnessed uh, you taking her to the car and she was out of it. So basically, uh, to make a long story short, Seb kind of half-assed confesses to a date rape situation, which is very creepy. But uh, he insists that she was uh, consenting and she was conscious when they had sex. And uh, Robin's like, I don't know, man. She didn't look very conscious when you were dragging her to the car. And this is where we find out that Robin worked at the club where the big disaster happened. And Robin then confesses to like pushing permits through and, you know, uh, fast tracking some things and skipping some other stuff. And we'll get more into that. The movie goes on. Um, okay, very interesting. Um, still not really accomplishing anything. About this time, we come to the conclusion that, okay, we're in hell, but the the lighthouse, that's the light. So if we are dead, and periodically as this movie goes on, Ani is just going to vanish into thin air. Like literally, bang, gone. Like standing there one minute, gone the next. And the only conclusion we can draw from that is that she is uh, technically still alive somehow, and they are trying to revive her, and every time they bring her back, she vanishes from this purgatory state and goes back to living life, but then she comes back because they can't keep her alive for too long, I guess. It's never really fleshed out. We just have to go with that, so okay. All right, very creepy. Uh, Robin, at this point, is going to take charge of the situation, and she's like, guess what? Uh, I always heard that you go into the light when you die, so the next time the lighthouse comes around, well, yeah, why don't we all just put our coats on and we'll start walking towards the lighthouse and see what happens. Okay, righteous. Let's do that. Um, Ani and Livy agree. They put their coats, I guess they have coats all of a sudden. They didn't have coats at the beginning of the movie, but whatever. They go walking out onto the beach and they're headed towards the lighthouse. And the light is rotating and uh, everything's cool. Ani's being kind of mousy. 
Robin's being kind of, uh, you know, uh, authoritative, I guess, for lack of a better term. She's like, this way, let's go this way. Uh, Livy is just kind of uh, following along for the ride because that's that. Seb and Pat both decide uh, we're not going out there because it's very scary. We're instead, while you guys are gone, we would like some privacy because we're going to fuck each other. Again, we're going to have sex with each other again because that's all we've done since we got here without taking any clothes off, you motherfuckers. I hate that, man. I hate it. What that tells me is you've got no balls, uh, Gez Mettinger, or possibly Andrew uh, Ellard, whoever is responsible for the lack of nudity. The, the, the hedonism and the debauchery and the, um, the like, like the, the reckless abandon of where you're at in this film, the idea that you're already dead, thus you can get away with whatever you want and do whatever you want, the freedom of that is is almost a character in this movie in itself. And yet, for whatever fucking reason, you couldn't put the pedal to the floor and go all in on the nudity? Why? Why would you not do that? It's part of the movie. It's part of the story. It's part of the plot. Hedonistic sex, ridiculous sex, is part of what we're... Do- we're, we're it's something that needs to be um, seen in this film. And it is not. Well, instead, all we get is uh, people making out and then kind of writhing around on the bed and, uh, you know, then eventually, for whatever reason, they get interrupted. So, dude, you're not really selling me on it, on, on that at all, Gez Mettinger. Grow a pair of balls, make another movie, you fuck face. All right, back to the, back to the show here. Oh, the dogs are going at it. All right, so the ladies are out on the beach, and they're getting closer. Well, they think they're getting closer and closer to the uh, lighthouse, but the more the farther they go, they realize that the distance between them and the lighthouse stays about the same. About that time, the big smoke monster shows up again and starts following them around and blowing up the sand. Okay, crazy. Then they finally reach like a breaking point on the beach, where all of a sudden they start like hearing whispers, and then these weird matrix skulls come at them from like a weird um, force field situation and they're like oh shit fuck this let's get out of here so they go hauling ass back to the house uh as they're you know screaming back to the house the smoke monster beats them there and goes firing around the inside of the house wrecking the sex party that seb and pat were trying to have girls come in just as seb and pat are all freaked out and they see the smoke monster go up into an air vent again okay very cool uh, they get the bright idea that they should go up there and follow the smoke monster. They get about halfway up the ladder to the uh, uh, air vent, and then they all puss out. And that's pretty much the end of that uh, little scenario there. So we are right back where we started uh, there at the uh, the house. And now everybody is terrified to leave, and they're also scared to look in the air vent where the smoke monster is. Delightful. Uh, about this time... Uh, Ani starts doing her disappearing, reappearing act again. <clears throat> and, uh, Livy calls Seb out, or not Livy, um, Robin calls Seb out onto the porch and she's like, Hey man, I know you were accused of that rape shit. I was one of the witnesses that had test was going to testify against you. I don't know how you got the charges dropped. He's like, Hey, 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 yes, I was accused of that, but I was, uh, the charges were dropped because there was no. Uh, she uh, decided not to press charges because it was a consensual act. Yes, 
there was uh, a lot of alcohol involved. Yes, she did take some pills that I gave to her, which she asked for. And yes, we did have consensual sex. So I'm not the bad guy here. And then uh, there's like a little bit of a screaming match. And this is where we start to realize maybe Robin isn't the person that she's letting on. Seb's like, hey, dude, you uh, worked at the club where we all died. And you were talking about, and she's like, hey, you shut your fucking mouth. And then all the girls come out and start yelling and screaming at Seb because they think he's a rapist. So Seb's like, you know what? You know what, you fucking assholes? Go ahead and fuck yourselves. I'm going to go take off to the lighthouse. And I'll see if I, because that's better than hanging around here with you, jerkwads. So... Uh, peace out, y'all. He goes walking out on the beach. The girls go back inside, and they're like, well, good thing we got rid of him. Meantime, we're going to hang out with Seb for a minute. He goes out there. Eventually, he gets followed by the big smoke monster. He's like, oh, shit, I don't want this. So he goes running back towards the, uh, the beach house. Okay, so the smoke monster tosses him around a little bit. And if I'm believing what I'm seeing, I got the, the inference that the smoke monster raped Seb. Now, again, there's no nudity or anything really to imply this other than the fact that Seb got knocked down on his stomach and then there's like a weird thrusting kind of situation to kind of insinuate something. It's never overtly stated, but that's the the vibe I got. I can't can't say for sure. All right, fair enough. Uh, back at the uh, the uh, the house there, the ladies are, are hanging. They're like, well, good thing we got rid of him. Ani disappears. She reappears again. This time she's holding a bracelet. And they're like, oh, she, I, I brought this back from, from real life. And now it's here. And then the smoke monster comes in right before Seb gets back. And it attacks the girls. And Ani uses the bracelet to fight the smoke monster. And it's not that the smoke monster is like hurt by the bracelet it's that it like a, it's almost like the bracelet sucks it in so i don't know how that works exactly but apparently things from the living world like can fuck with the smoke monster so they fight it up into the the um what do you call the the uh air vent again and then it stays up there and they're like you stay up there you piece of shit because we got this bracelet now, so watch watch out there, fucko. Uh, and then Seb comes in, and he's all busted up, and he's like naked, and the girls are all making fun of him. So he's like, shut up, you bitches. Shut up, this is your fault. And he's yelling and screaming, and eventually he punches Robin in the face. And then uh, he's on the point of, I think, possibly raping Livy, or no, Ani, while holding Livy down with his other hand. Now, one of the theories we were going with is that since Ani brought the bracelet back, if she was holding on to one of the chicks, when she disappeared again, maybe she could take the chick with her. Unfortunately, uh, Ani disappears while Seb is holding her down, and Seb goes nowhere. So, she's kind of, she was kind of like holding on to his wrist while he was choking her, so that kind of negates that theory right off the bat, unfortunately. So we can throw that out the window, but Ani is safe. Now he's like, well, if she's gone, then I'm just going to fucking rape Livy. So he gets on top of Livy, and that's when Pat rolls up behind him with a steak knife and stabs him right in the head, killing, quote-unquote, Seb, except that we're already dead. You stupid fuckers. Come on, man. We're... Oh, dude. This... this... It's okay. It's not lazy writing. 
It just doesn't make any... Maybe it is lazy writing, because it doesn't make any fucking sense, man. At this point, we're probably at least 40 minutes into into the movie. We have established that we are already dead, okay? Every character in this film is already dead or teetering on death. I'll give you that for Ani's sake. But if you're already dead, how are you going to get stabbed in the head with a steak knife and then die? That doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. That is never explained, It's never validated in any way except that it happens. Okay, so we just have to assume that when when you're already dead, blunt force head trauma to the brainstem will cause you to lose consciousness. Because that makes sense to Andrew Ellard and Gez Mettinger, you fuckers. (laughs) All right, all right. I don't know what happened here, but it didn't work out. So anyway, we're going to assume that uh, uh, Seb is dead. We lug his body into the bathroom. Excellent. And then we're like, okay, well, he's dead. Ani's gone. Now we're down to just Pat, Robin, and Liz, uh, Livy. Uh, this is where we go to the mirror, and we find out that Pat, who is played by a very attractive biracial chick by the name of Alerica Johnson. When she looks in the mirror, she sees a fat chick. So uh, what we have to believe here is that in real life, uh, Pat was a fatty bobatty, and that here in this hell state, she's actually slim and very attractive. I'll give you that. But how does that make sense? You go to hell, you get to be hot? I mean, no pun intended, but... I gotta, I gotta tell you, this is like a pretty good commercial for hell right here and sin in general. Okay, so and you get to fuck uh, Seb, who was a pretty hot dude. He had nice abs and everything. So I don't understand how that works either. So whatever, whatever, man. All right, uh, very exciting. Um, from there, we come to a few more conclusions. Uh, so because Ani brought the bracelet back from the living world, we have to assume that items brought back from the living world can somehow hurt or damage uh, the smoke monster, okay? Um, From there, they get the idea that because Seb brought that cooler full of vodka back from the living world, maybe they can contain the smoke monster in the cooler and lock his ass down in there, which is a pretty good idea, I guess. So... um, from they they lure the smoke monster out by talking about how fat Pat is, because apparently talking about your living sins draws the monster out of the uh, uh, air vent. So they do that, and then they they throw it some roundhouse punches with the bracelet and force it into the cooler. And they're like, "Okay, we got you, you fucker." They close the cooler, thinking they got it trapped in there, but then it breaks through the side of the cooler. So to keep it contained, they then start torturing the smoke monster with the various infinite bottles of vodka that they apparently possess. Uh, They splash it with the vodka and they make it talk to them. So from there, after asking the smoke monster a bunch of dumb shit questions, and really not giving it a chance to answer, they're not really asking questions, they're just making assumptions and hoping that the smoke monster agrees with them. We're dead, right? Smoke monster doesn't say anything. Are you going to... Oh, God. I I don't care for this movie. Um. Oh, I, again, I wonder how these movies get made. Really, I assume that uh, whatever studio influence or something just came in at the last second and made them re- reshoot a bunch of stuff. And this is the amalgamation of 
a bunch of creative forces that were hoping to make money instead of tell a good story. And this is what we end up with. Horse shit. Independent cinema? Fucking fuck off. All right, anyway. Uh, basically, what the smoke monster says is that they are in a state of limbo. Uh, tabula rasa, the, the placard at the front door, basically means clean slate. So when they entered this beach house, all former sins and transgressions were forgiven, and they were given a clean slate to start with. Unfortunately, all they did since they got inside the uh, uh, beach house was commit sins, uh, have sex with each other, drink a shit ton of vodka, a um, lot of fighting, a lot of infighting, wrath, lust, gluttony, sloth, the seven deadly sins. You know them all. Uh, they've basically done them all. So... That's why they're all damned to hell. And the smoke monster says, yeah, everybody's damned to hell. Heaven is empty right now. So, because as soon as people get here, all they want to do is indulge their hedonistic pleasures. Although I feel like an argument could be made that nobody ever actually had sex with anybody in, in this, inside this house. Because there was zero boobs. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that nobody's dick got pulled out or vagina or anything. So, other than dry humping, which I don't think is technically a sin, I think we're okay. How about that? Anyway, they keep fighting. Uh, and then uh, about this time is when Seb comes back from the, I guess, back to the dead. from Back from the dead to the dead. I don't know. Uh, he pops out of the bathroom and he's like, God, you fucking bitches. I'm already dead. And then he starts throwing vodka at the, uh, the, the cooler there. And then the black smoke goes up his arm and into his mouth and possesses Seb. And Seb's like, I see everything it sees. I hate you bitches. And then about that time is when the lighthouse light rotates back on the house, which means everybody gets a migraine, except this time the front door swings open and Seb gets pulled out into the light. And that's the last we ever see of Seb. Okay. All right, good. Well, at least we don't have to worry about a rape anymore. Not that I was all that worried to begin with, because clearly there's not going to be any rape depicted in this film. Um, from there, uh, we kind of go back and forth. This is where we get the big reveal. We get, go back and forth with all the chicks. Uh, Ani comes back. Livy convinces Ani. Okay. (laughs) So somehow we come to the conclusion that because Ani keeps coming back to the world of the dead or this beach house that she doesn't really want to live because she has no self value, so Livy is trying to convince Ani that she uh, has value as a person and help her find some self-esteem, I guess, so that she will want to live and not come back to the beach house because somehow that's going to fix it. And maybe once she gets back, she can um, bring the girls back somehow because that makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any fucking sense, man. At least, you know... Put a paragraph in there to where it makes sense. Oh, uh, I read a book once that said uh, helping the dead come back to life and giving them a sense of self-value. Okay, still doesn't make sense, but at least I'm willing to sign off on it. Nothing, except that Livy just had this half-cocked idea all of a sudden, and now we're going with it. So we all give Ani a big kumbaya hug. She vanishes again, comes back and hands Livy a blanket, and then vanishes for the last time. Good job, Livy. You are out of here, babe. That leaves Pat, Robin, and, or not Livy, uh, Ani, 
Pat, Livy, and uh, Robin. And they are the last three chicks. So, uh, Robin, being like the uh, alpha female of this group, starts dumping the vodka on the, uh, uh, um, what do you call there, the uh, old uh, uh, cooler with the smoke monster in it. Like, hey, you fucker, you, you tell me what I need to know. So, it crawls up her arm and goes into her mouth, and then she gets possessed. Uh, the light swings around again, and this time it stays on the house, immediately pulls Pat out into the light. She's out of the equation. That leaves Robin and Livy there by themselves. Now, okay, this is particularly stupid. This is particularly stupid, inmates. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But No, it's not. I've heard dumber, but this is like top 15 of the dumbest movie endings I've heard in quite a while. And we're not all just going to wake up and pretend this is a dream. So at least we have that going for us. So Robin gets possessed by the smoke monster. Okay, so once she gets the smoke monster inside her, she's like, I see what it sees and I know what it knows. Livy then convinces possessed Robin to somehow send her, Livy, to heaven instead of hell. Now, it was never established that the smoke monster could do any of that, but we're just going to go with it. And Livy is somehow going to be like a kamikaze pilot and blow the gates open uh, to heaven, which will allow all the souls in hell to go pouring into heaven. How does any of that make a lick of fucking sense? And why the shit should we have to sign off on it when it's never explained? No, at no point in this film did we decide that the smoke monster had any kind of power to do anything at all other than blow up random sand things and hide in a uh, air vent. If he's that fucking powerful, why is he hiding in an air vent? That doesn't make any sense, dude. What are we even doing here? All right, whatever. All right, so uh, the smoke monster through Robin is like, I don't think so. But then Livy does, Robin, I know you're in there. You can control him. And then Robin eventually is like, we're going to heaven. And then the the light hits them and then they walk out the front door of the fucking uh, beach house. And that's the end of your movie. And that is After Death, man. God damn, do I hate that. It's not that I'm mad at it, okay? I mean, it, uh, I guess I am. I guess I am mad at it. I'm, I'm not. Th- these films, dude, they are a complete waste of time for everybody involved, including me and you at this point. We've been sucked into this uh, after-death vortex of bullshit. Because I'm going to put out a hour and a half podcast about it, and you hopefully will listen to it. But more to the point, man, the, the, the Gez Mettinger, dude, sir or ma'am, whatever, you're, whatever you identify as, tell me you had something else in mind for this film besides this. Because this is mundane, milquetoast horseshit with a very stupid ending. I'm with you. I'm with you on the, the, the limbo state. I'm with you on the tabula rasa, the getting a fresh start. The, I'm with you up to the point where you want to include uh, hedonistic sex and then go to a place where you show it, but you... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I lack the, the diction to articulate what I'm trying to say. This movie has no balls. That's the best way I can put it. 
it started off the the script. I'm sure had had a pair of balls on it, and it was going to be like you know, uh, Cenobite level uh, pain and pleasure and fucking hedonistic threesomes and foursomes and all kinds of fun stuff like that. As it should, that's part of the story. But by the time it actually hits celluloid onto a streaming service, what we got is an after school special, a TV MA hour and a half waste of my fucking time and yours at this point. Why bother, dude? Why bother making this movie? If this, if this right here, what, what, what we just watched, was your creative vision for it, then you should probably look into like directing commercials or infomercials or um, maybe some religious uh, <laughs> uh, documentaries or something like that. If you're gonna, if if you're going to include hedonistic behavior but then not show it in the film, why fucking bother, dude? You know, why Why go there if you're going to be stuck in TVMA land? That doesn't make, a, it doesn't make any sense, dude. And, uh, all right, all right, I've droned on long enough about this. I'm going to tell you to skip it, inmates. The chicks are very hot. You don't get to see a fucking thing in it. Um, skip this one. There's another movie called After Death. It was made in 1983. I'm sure it's better than this because this is bullshit. I got to take a break and uh, get some water and stuff. I'll be right back.
Hey inmates, if you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And now I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I feel a little bit better. <clears throat> I got some water, and I went to the bathroom, and I had a little snack, and now I'm ready to talk to you about more horror bullshit. Um, if I were to die and go to a limbo state, and I had to d- d- get the tabula rasa, the clean slate, start all over, I would need to be uh, in, a, in a place by myself. I'll tell you right now, because if there's other people there, I'm either going to get pissed off or I'm going to get horny. I'm going to get horny and pissed off. I'm, I might be like a grudge fuck situation. I don't know. I don't know which way I'm going to go. It depends on who I'm with, but it's not going to be good. Tell you, Especially if I'm st- stuck in a, like a beach house like that. It's going to go down, dude. So better off I'm just by myself, I think. And uh, unless I can like take my kids with me or something. I don't know. Um, that That was it, man. And that was not a good pick. I wanted to f- I wanted to find a movie that I hadn't seen yet, so I did. And the fucking TVMA thing is that should have been a big red flag. I forgot how pissed off I was at all those two B originals and their TVMA horseshit. But now I remember. Okay, <laughs> I've been reminded of how bad those movies suck, and uh, I will I will steer clear of them from now on. All right, enough about that shit. Let's let's move on to something a little more hot, upbeat, shall we? Let's not depress ourselves with bad horror movies. Let's instead talk about three good horror movies. Three on a meat hook. Three on a meat hook. This week's meat hook. Top three. Ghost movies. Okay? Now, that's a pretty broad spectrum, and I'm going to open it up to whatever whatever you think a ghost movie should be, or whatever movies may or may not have had a ghost in them, or you feel was more of a haunted, maybe as a haunted house as, as opposed to a straight ghost movie. Whatever. You guys tell me what your top three uh, ghost movies are. I'm going to tell you mine right now. Number three, The House on Haunted Hill, 1999. Now, I'm not at all mad at the original, and going back to my remakes versus original uh, argument earlier in the show, this is a completely different movie. has very little, with the exception of one character, I don't think it has anything to do with the original at all whatsoever. Um, Still a great show, man. I love it. It's got a very Marilyn Manson kind of vibe to it. With Jeffrey Combs... In there as Dr. Vaniket doing that weird Marilyn Manson kind of shiver walk thing that he does. Creepy as shit, you know? The Vaniket uh, Institute for the Criminally Insane. Uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Chris Kattan did great in there. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Rush. Uh, great ensemble cast. Great environment. Great uh, atmosphere. Gore. Little silly ending. Didn't really, there's a there's a sequel. I don't know if anybody saw the sequel, Return to the House on Haunted Hill. Uh, it's got, uh, if I recall correctly, it's got Serena Vincent in it. So 
That's and and Jeffrey Rush returns. But other than that, it's a lot of CGI, as I recall. I actually own it. It's on my my DVD shelf over here. I think I watched it once, and that was about it. Um, eh. Origin the the remake pretty good. Original was pretty good too. Although the original was not very much a ghost story, it was more of like a murder mystery kind of who's trying to kill who situation with Vincent Price. You can't go wrong with Vincent Price, dude. Right. Uh, so that's number three. Number two for me, Legend of Hell House, 1978, Roddy McDowell, the guy that played Alfred in the original Batman movies. Uh, this one is pretty good and it's also horny, but to a point of like, (sighs) Not to step on my own toes with the argument I just made against after death, but the the lack of the lack of actual sexual contact in the Legend of Hell House kind of kind of ramps up the horniness in a weird way. Hear me out: if you're horny and for whatever reason you get to the point of fucking each other, but then you stop, that almost makes you hornier, right? Yeah, I feel I feel like it does. As opposed to after death, where we're supposed to believe they're fucking each other, but they don't actually appear to be because there's no nudity and it's just a bunch of making out and tussling around on a bed. So to me, that seems almost like a moot point. You know, why bother? I don't. I don't know. That's just me. But back to uh, Legend of Hell House. Great show. Pro- the first. Um, I built. Be- eh, no, it's not the first, but it is definitely one of the first. Uh, paranormal researchers going into a haunted house to prove or disprove life after death scenarios. That trope has been uh, beat into the ground, but this was one of the originals, and I feel like this kind of laid the blueprint for more to come. Uh, My number one ghost movie of all time. Most of you guys already know what I'm going to say, and if you haven't seen it, I'm going to recommend that you run out to your local dollar store, which is where I found it, and pick it up immediately. It's Cairo, Japanese, Fucking scary shit with the uh, the ambiance and the atmosphere of the ghost. It's a ghost apocalypse, dudes, is what this movie boils down to, okay? I'm not going to ruin it for you because, okay, so you've probably seen the Americanization of it. It's called Pulse. Uh, Kristen Bell, I think Jonathan Tucker was in it. Uh, not, uh, it, it, uh, it wet my beak. And then when I found out that that was an Americanization, I had jumped immediately to Cairo and uh, blew a ghosty load right in my underwear because it is fucking creepy as shit. And uh, the the Japanese ghost thing, dude, the way they do go, they, I will say their ghosts far scarier than American ghosts. American ghosts are looking to like rape you and stuff, which is scary, sure. But a Japanese ghost just wants to hang out like half in and half out of your hallway and stare at you all night long. Not move, not threaten you, not say anything. Just stand there and stare at you like the fucking creep that it is, man. Get the fuck out of here, you dead Japanese guy. What are you doing? Stop looking at me. Freak me out. Cairo. A lot of great sound design on that one. Um, Subtitled, I found a copy at the dollar store, dude. I felt like I was robbing the place when I found Cairo at the dollar store. I paid a dollar for it. I would have paid $25 for it. I got it anyway. I don't care. That's my three on a meat hook. Top three ghost movies. Number one, Cairo. 
Two, Legend of Hell House. Three, House on Haunted Hill remake. I was going to put The Shining down as uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna add it. I'm gonna like slide it under the rug as an honorable mention. Only reason it, it's it's a great film. It's one of my top three of all time. Only reason it doesn't make the Ghost top three is because I feel like Kubrick's uh, Kubrick's interpretation of The Shining had more to do with addiction and mental illness and alcoholism. And if you watch it, and this is a point of contention, I know, if you watch it, like most of the paranormal stuff happens to Jack when he's by himself. And so I I realize people are going to fight me for this. It's fine. I'll fight you. You can draw a line to his own mental illness and his own, um, I don't know, lust for alcohol kind of diluting his sense of reality. So... I would. I know the. I know the source material is definitely a ghost story. This the Kubrick's interpretation, though, I feel like is ninety percent mental illness, ten percent ghosts. That's just my opinion. I'll fight you. I don't care. I'm not afraid to fight. I'll fight you right now. Whatever, dude. Uh, get, let me know what your top three ghost uh, movies are. Mental health hotline area code seven seven five three eight seven zero two seven five or paddedroompodcast.com. Click the contact link or just go to email email. Or send me an email at mail at mail.paddedroompodcast.com and it will come to me either way and I'll read it on next week's show. Motherfuckers, it's Terradome time! No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll try to be crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotional face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. To the Terradome. First, last week's winners. Singles competition. In the one-off conference, or whatever you want to call it, we had uh, David from the Lost Boys versus Sam from Trick or Treat. The sun rose over Santa Carla Boardwalk on November 1st. Sam made his way home until next year as the small pile of ash on the beach blew away in the breeze. The children of Santa Carla would celebrate Halloween safely again. With a vote of 10 to 5, Sam advances over David. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. I think the the biggest part of that is that we don't really know what Sam is. And we know David's a vampire. He's a sexy one, give you that. But we know how to kill vampires. Sam can be dismembered with a fucking shotgun and put himself back together. We saw it happen. We saw the whole thing. Brian Cox did it. He put himself back together. You can't dispute that. 
All right, on to this week's matchup. We are in the Asylum Conference Round 5. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I don't really usually write things, like professionally or anything like that. Rose rode for days trying to escape the Institute. The very motorcycle that had put her in in this position was now her only means of escape. Out of Canada and into the American South with high hopes of possibly Mexico or South America, as far away from them as possible. She was still accepting of her new biology and abilities as she went. The strange appendage that protruded from her upper torso, the need to feed on human blood, it was all because of what they did to her. The need to feed was returning now, so was a deep fatigue. She would have to find somewhere to rest and people on whom to feed. Then her bike hits some stop strips on a tow, and a tow truck driver emerges claiming he can fix the bike for her if she doesn't mind spending the night cleaning up an abandoned old pizza parlor called Willie's Wonderland. Reluctantly, she agrees. Singles competition, we have Rose from Rabid against Willie the Weasel. <laughs> against Willie the Weasel from Willie's Wonderland. This is a silly one. I know it. Uh, in writing this, I wrote it as ro- the, from the original David Cronenberg Rabbit, as if it was that rose. But feel free to interpret it as either one. I am going to have to go with uh, Willie the Weasel simply because he is an animatronic and uh, Rose needs blood. So he doesn't have any blood, therefore I think. And he's got like a posse, you know. He's got, what, there was like five of them, I think. There was that fairy, there was a gorilla. Uh, I feel like there was, I think there was a knight and then a, um, chameleon, I think they had had like a whole crew of them, those animatronic things. I'm going to take Willie the weasel on that one. Let me know inmates again, area code seven, seven, five, three, eight, seven, zero, two, seven, five, or go to paddedroompodcast.com. We have the entire bracket set up there. All you got to do is click one and it'll vote for you. You don't have to email in if you don't want to. I wish that you would though. I like hearing from you guys. Uh, in the meantime, while you're contemplating that difficult, mind-bending matchup that I have just laid out before you, I'm going to tell you what movies I got to watch in a little segment called, What Are You Looking At There? Fella? What are you looking at? Uh, I got to watch a few movies this week. I'm I'm still trying to catch up with the 80s from those uh, In Search of Dark Darkness documentaries. Remember those? There's like six of them now. Uh, I watched American Gothic from 1987. Anybody seen this one other than me? Probably not. It stars Lily Munster, like a like a 65 year old Lily Munster, as a weird uh, backwoods island mom. And Rod Steiger as her husband. And they've got a bunch of adult children that still act like children, of course. And then a group of fucking teenagers crashes the island and they have to kill all the teenagers. Uh, not a bad show. Very 80s. Uh, pretty pretty fucking silly all the way around. I'd say it's, it's fine. Why not? I watched that. I watched Superstition from 1982. Anybody seen this one? Uh, preacher and his family move into a church-appointed house uh, with a history, um, ghosts, and 
There's like a, a serial killer kid that lives down the, the, the street there. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, except that the dad, <laughs> the dad of the family that moves in cannot be a bigger vagina. He is completely terrified of everything, refuses to help his family as they're being slaughtered one by one, and uh, really refuses to do anything at all. <laughs> of course he dies, thank Christ. But it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty silly movie. Uh, the Out There Halloween Megatape from 2022. So this is actually the sequel to the WNUF Halloween special. I know you guys have seen that. Um, it doesn't really pick up where the first one left off. It kind of goes into, it goes to 1980, or no, 1996, I think. And it picks up from there. So like 10 years after Frank Stewart disappeared, now we have like a daytime Sally Jesse Raphael-esque talk show. And she's doing a whole thing on aliens. This one is really more of a gonzo tape of 80s commercials than anything else. Um, It's fine. If you liked the WNUF Halloween special, you probably like this one. Uh, I don't think it's as good, but it's still fine, you know, if you're feeling nostalgic. And then lastly, I watched uh, Event Horizon from 1997. Did a big outdoor viewing for me and my horror crew. Put up the uh, the projection screen and wheeled out the projector and the big boom speaker. Had a great time. Had the, the friends over, barbecued. Uh, had some cocktails. It was great. It was good times. That's a great movie too, right? Everybody wants to shit on it. Well... Not everybody, some people, Gerald, want to shit on it. I think it's a great show. It's like The Shining in Space, if you ask me. Uh, Anyway, we watched that, and that is all I'm looking at, inmates. Time for some immersion therapy. Immersion therapy. Did you get a chance to watch Pet? I did. I wasn't that impressed, to be honest with you. I think my main gripe is that uh, they made Dominic Monaghan a little too likable. And thus, I I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of rooting for him, even after the boyfriend beat him up. Um, And, uh... The chick was a bit of a snatch, a little bit. I don't think it was an intentional snatchiness, but, you know, I mean, the guy is clearly into you. You could at least let him down easy instead of just telling him to kiss your ass every time you see him. Um, I don't think that warrants her being locked in a cage, but I don't believe that Dominic Monaghan would have done that either. So that's kind of difficult for me to understand. Not a not not a huge fan of this one. I'm going to say you can skip it. I watched it on Tubi. If anybody's still interested, you can find it there. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be From Black from 2023. Uh, this one is directed by Thomas Marchese. Marchese. Uh, you can find this bad guy streaming on Shutter Inmates. Go ahead and check that shit out. We will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. What do you think about that shit? Uh, while you're trying to track that one down, it's time for you to educate me, my friends.
Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. I was sent on a deep space mission to locate a tracking beacon, a distress signal uh, from a uh, craft that we thought had vanished into deep space uh, about a decade ago. Now it's back and it's sending distress. We better go check it out. Uh, when we get there, we find a bunch of iced over dead guys and uh, a lot of our crew get sucked into this thing and it makes everybody crazy. You want to kill each other. I am, of course, Event Horizon. Great show. I just got done talking about it. I'm not going to blow your mind with it again. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. I know it's streaming out there somewhere. You're going to love it. It's like The Shining in Space, dude. It doesn't get any better than that. Who might I be this week, you ask? Well... I am a hot, blonde, quite a, a bit of an eccentric. Um, I just woke up somewhere with a bunch of other weirdos, and all of a sudden we're being shot at. And, uh, you know, heads are exploding, people are getting ripped apart. Nobody knows what happened. Uh, we just woke up in this weird forest area, and now I'm going to have to use my survival skills and kill a lot of people with those survival skills. I'm going to break some necks and get some guns, and then I'm going to try to find my way out of here and maybe take a couple of these losers with me. They'll probably get killed in the process. I think I say about five words the whole movie, but I do kill quite a few people in the, in the meantime. Who might I be, you ask? Tune in next week, and I will drop some knowledge on you inmates. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining me in my solo endeavors. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, do me a favor, like, comment, subscribe, wherever you found this show. We're on like 65 different platforms. I don't care where they are. I, I have no control over it at this point. Just like, comment, subscribe. That helps our visibility. Any questions, comments, concerns you have about us, go to paddedroompodcast.com. You'll find a Patreon link there. You can donate to the cause. We have a whole swag tier system situation there that you can pick out your prizes or control or whatever you're gonna love that shit join me or hopefully somebody else will be here next week for the deep ones here in beach month the padded room podcast in the meantime for uh terrors on the beach haunted spaceships haunted hotels um Things that may or may not happen in the afterlife and whether or not you can have sex in the afterlife and whether or not you can be killed again in the afterlife. I None of that makes sense to me, dudes, but I, I don't want to digress again. Uh, Jason in absentia, Buddy in absentia, and the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over. Uh uh-huh.